Hey everybody, it's Tim Brahim and I uh, want to say thank you and welcome you to the 360 podcast, fascinating conversations with interesting people. And as always, I am your host and I want to introduce you to today's guest in the podcast, a dear friend of mine, a longtime client of mine, and, 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 and a truly a, one of my best friends in life. His name is Dirk Novell. Dirk is an area manager for Celebrity Home Loans in the Pacific Northwest up in the, the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, he's been in the business for over 20 years now, um, and he's going to have a lot of wisdom to share with us today, uh, both on a business and a life perspective. And one of the reasons that I wanted Dirkie, as I call him, to be one of my guests in this podcast is because I think that you're going to, on the second half of this interview, really get a lot of life wisdom, which we can never get enough of that, right? Dirk, uh, Dirk graduated from the University of Washington uh, in international studies. He lives in North Bend, Washington with his wife, Michelle, and his two kids, Hope and Noah, uh, and his now, I think, 27 animals at last count. We'll, we'll unpack the reason why he has 27 animals here in a moment. Um, in his free time, Dirk loves to spend time on his farm. Uh, he's pretty handy, too. Uh, he sends me pictures all the time of things that he's building on the farm. It's pretty cool. It's an incredible, spectacular setting. Uh, he coaches various sports. Uh, for his kids, Dirk was a terrific high school football player and just as an all-around great athlete. Um, he's traveled all over the world and is an avid student of continuing to evolve while attending, um, you know, to some of his his great passions. Um, spending time with his family, working out, music. He's a great skier. Uh, as I said, tending to his farm, he's a, a big meditator, and we're going to unpack that a little. Uh, he he loves wine and and uh, spending time with his friends. Uh, a couple of fun facts about Dirk is that he wrote a book um, called Road Rage Justified. You can find that on Amazon under the handle of Nevi Rourke, who is the author. Uh, that is his alias, uh, Road Rage Justified. Uh, he moved with his family to a ski town uh, two different years in a row in Idaho. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And he also took his family to Italy for a couple of months when I first started coaching him uh, to uh, a medieval town uh, in Italy called Siena. Um, so welcome to Dirk Novell and enjoy the podcast. What is up, man? What's up, Timmy? How are you? Good. You look good today, man. What, what's, what's the special occasion? Did I miss the memo or something here? I mean, you, you're dressed up Thursday. all nice. You don't have your overalls on. You shaved. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, no aviator nation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You don't have the uniform on. Michelle's not even going to recognize you when she gets home from work today. She was a little worried when I left the house today. She's thinking maybe I'm meeting somebody. But, I, <laughs> but I'm no, I'm going on a trip in a couple of days. Uh, so got a haircut, got a shave, you know, trying to look good. Yeah, when do you guys leave? You're going to where are you going to Kauai, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. we're excited. When do you leave? Saturday. Very cool. And are you gonna yeah. make it up to the Nepali coast on the North Shore? We are. Oh. We're gonna do a little boat tour and uh hopefully a hike. So you know, yesterday I was listening, I sent you and Ron the uh the uh Ben Greenfield podcast where he's interviewing Robert Breedlove. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't seen it. Okay. It's in your text. Um they were talking about the Nepali coast and, and Ben was talking about how that's like the best hike in the world. Cause Robert lives on Kauai. So just perfect timing. I was just thinking about, you know, that oh, hike, wow. uh, yesterday and now you, 
you and I are connecting and you guys are going there soon. So I hope you guys have a great time. Yeah, I'm excited. We need a trip. It'll be right fun. Family. Right on. Yeah. Now the kids are getting older and it's time for you guys to, to make sure that you're uh, getting in as many of those as you possibly can. So, totally. Hey, listen, man, thanks for being here. Um, thanks for joining the show. Um, super excited to have you. I know that this thing's just going to unfold organically as they all do. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll end up talking about stuff other than business here pretty soon, but let's start with business if we can. Um, I want to make sure that we satiate the audience with some, some good, good context and information on how, you know, how long you've been in the business for what you're doing right now, what have been some of the things that have led to your success. And then we will allow that to unfold into life success, which is one of the main reasons that I wanted to have you on this call. Yeah, for sure. All right, man, take, uh, take us back to the beginning. You know, when did you start the business? Um, what got you into it? You know, if you want to share a pivotal, impactful moment, that would be great to hear. Okay. But take us to the origins. Okay. So I was um, working with um, Mark Cuban and Yahoo, and uh, they wanted me to move down there. And honestly, I just didn't want to move. My family's here, and I love it up here. So I decided to actually go back to school for psychology because uh, I thought I wanted to work with kids in a clinical format. So I, uh, got, I got into school. It was a seven-year program, and I was going to night school. And I was married, and my wife and I, Michelle, wanted to start you know, a family, and I needed money. Uh, so I, I tried to figure out what I could do where I didn't have to travel, where I could still go to school. And I used to play hoops with uh, a guy who had a company, a mutual friend, Scott Ruraka. And I reached out to him, Scotty, and uh, he hired me in uh, 02, I think. And so I've been in the business and, you know, it took me six, seven months to, to ramp up. And uh, I started doing really well. And about two years in the school, I, I said, I don't want to work with these people. <laughs> I don't want to do the psychology route. I just, I was having too much fun in lending. So I kind of went full go and committed to lending and, and um, spent 14, 15 years with the legacy group and then experimented with a couple other companies. And now I'm at Celebrity Home Loans. So you've been in the business for 20 years um, yeah. and you've seen all the cycles, you've seen the ups and downs, you've survived the tough times, you flourished during the, uh, the good times. Um, what's a pivotal moment that comes to mind for you in your career, like a turning point, like where, like, is there one event or maybe one, maybe even more than one, but like one big event where you're like, wow, that was a huge moment where I really took it to the, to the next level. And what caused that? not kissing your ass on this question, but um, Scotty, my old boss had said, listen, you really need to get a coach. And I, I, at the time, I didn't really know what you meant by coach. So it was actually when I met you in Vegas um, and I had heard about you and I knew you were good at what you did. But when I met you, I think we really hit it off. And I think at that point, I started uh, to really be aware of the time I was spending and what I was doing in terms of what it translated into getting business. And then number two, I think a lot of what I learned was just who I'm talking to as far as leaders, referral partners. So I started spending less time. Um, well, I, sh I should say I started spending more time developing relationships with people like CPAs, financial planners, uh, a divorce attorneys, et cetera. And at that time, things started to shift. It didn't happen overnight, but I'd say, you know, my introduction to you as a coach because it gave me a lens that I had never really looked at. I was just kind of plugging away 
and I wasn't scaling the business. And so that was probably the most pivotal area for me. And then ultimately a lot of our business talks got personal and, and, and the inner work kicked in years later. And, um, I've realized how important the two are together. Yeah. We've never talked about, I don't think that we've ever talked about this, but you know, you're, you and Michael Shane are my two oldest clients. I mean, you guys were my two of my like first six original private coaching clients back, you know, I don't know how long it's been now, bro. It was like 13 years ago, maybe back in, you know, Oh nine, I'm guessing. Oh nine, yeah. 10, something like that. Yeah. So um, yeah, we've been, we've been on this journey together for an awful long time. And uh, it's fair to say that I think I know you pretty well. You're, you're a vulnerable guy and you shared a lot of information with me. So I want to, I want to unpack some of those things as we unfold in this interview. Let's, let's talk about your production numbers for a minute, just so everybody has some context. I mean, last year, 2021 was your best year in the business, I believe, or one of your best years, but you've had other years that were amazing. Like when we first started working together, you're doing 25, 30 units a month and crushing it for legacy as their top producer. Give us a little context on, on your production, you know, and, and, and how it's, how it's broken out over the years. Yeah. I mean, I'd say back when, after a few years with you, I was up into the 90, hundred million category. And last year, actually I did a little less than that. I just made more uh, based off the model, but you know, I'm, it's interesting. I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm around a lot of very successful producers that do crazy numbers, but for me with my lifestyle and my balance, you know, if I can, uh, live in that 75 to hundred million range. I'm, I'm pretty content. Um, I've certainly I'll, I'll do more, but you know, when you're a one man show and you have, well, you have a team behind you, that's a lot of volume. Um, you know, I don't manage LOs right now. I'm just kind of a, I lock loans and I try to be a good dad and a good husband. So. And, and so your team makeup, let's just make sure we don't, don't skirt over that. Cause that's important. Your team makeup is you have just, just a processor for yourself or do you have anybody else on your team? No, I have two LOAs. Uh, I have a couple of processors. They're not dedicated to me, but I, I work with Shane Day, as you know, he's got a great team uh, that I tap into. And so th that's my team. Um, I'm here in Washington. They're in Colorado, but as you know, in this day and age, it, it really doesn't geography doesn't matter. So I have a team of every skill set you need. Yeah. Now, so let's talk about where you get your business from, because one of the very first things that you and I talked about back 13 years ago was your dislike for developing realtor relationships in particular. And it was, I think very much rooted in the fact that you just didn't like feeling like you had to chase after people and that you had to be subservient to them. And there, there's this, there's this part of you that really didn't want to have to, to, to be, you know, like, drug around on a string, so to speak. So you've, you've kind of made your own way of doing this business. And I think it's interesting for people to hear. So why don't you share with us a little bit about where you get your business and what some of your philosophies are on sourcing business and keeping the machine running to where you can have good years year after year. Well, first of all, I do like realtors. I don't want the realtors out there to think I don't. Um, I have some great agents that I work with. Um, you know, the most of my business comes from my clients. And so, you know, I grew up in Washington and I'm a pretty social, social guy. And um, I think most people like me and trust me. And so over the years, I've just developed the relationships and cultivated them. So a lot of my repeat business comes from existing clients. Um, in addition to the clients, you know, I, I really like working with financial planners. Um, I, I like working with CPAs and I like agents as well. But for me, it's just being pleasantly persistent. I think at the end of the day, 
I think what I do really well is, you know, I'm very honest. I work hard. I think people want someone to work hard for them. And I, I think I give good information quickly. And I think there's a lot in my space. Um, I don't want to say that don't do that, but I think those who know me truly um, consider it a privilege to refer me off because I think at the end of the day, their clients come back to them very happy. So I just, you know, like you, I do the right things and, um, you know, the business unfolds. Yeah, that's one of the things that like, I've never talked with you about this before, but it's like, if I, if I went back over the years and added up like all the different people that you've connected me to, it's actually, it's actually a pretty long list, man. You're a really good referrer and connector. Um, and I, I, uh, I really appreciate that about you. And I'm wondering if there is some suggestions that you might have, or can tell us a little bit about your strategies, because I want to paint this picture bef before you answer that question. So Dirk does his volume that is certainly uh, a great living, um, but he does it a bit more unconventionally than, than a lot of successful originators in the sense that he doesn't want to, he doesn't necessarily have like this laundry list of, of top producing real estate agents. As he said, he gets a lot of his business from repeat customers, referrals from past customers, and just people that he knows. Like I think about you know, all the people you've introduced me to over time, people that you went to school with and that you met people in Italy when you were there, which we'll get to in a little bit in terms of your time in Italy that you've introduced me to. Um, you're a social guy and you, you, you make a lot of friends and then you connect those friends, don't you? And, and, it, and if, and if that's, if I'm accurate with that, please say so. And then tell us a little bit about if there's any strategy in that, or is that just you being you and what might the listener be able to glean in terms of how they can do some of the things that you're doing? Hmm. Well, thank you for that. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I'm social, but I'm kind of an introvert too. You know, I, I like to spend a lot of time <clears throat> alone or with my family, but I like people. I really do. And I think that, you know, my goal, like with a loan or when I get a referral or I'm not trying to win the deal. I'm just trying to kind of win that relationship. You know, like I want to do the right thing. So there's a lot of situations where sometimes I'm like, I wouldn't do a loan or, or, or you should go with the guy that you're talking to. It's a great deal. And I think it sounds corny, but I, at the end of the day, that's how I've always done business. And um, I don't know. I think people deep down really appreciate that and respect it. Um, again, there's great people in my business, especially a group, but there's a lot of folks in our business that are chasing the, the commission check. And I don't think that's what drives me. And I think that maybe helps answer the question. I more than helps. I want to unpack it further. I think it's an incredibly important point. So what I just heard you say was that you have um, shifted your focus from what an average originator is focused on, which is I want to win the deal. I want to win the check. You're, you have made a, a, a radical adjustment to I'm here to win a relationship. So you're thinking long-term big picture, which makes a ton of sense to me as to why you have been able to do great business without having a ton of realtors, um, without having to spend a ton of money on marketing. Um, you've just built a lot of friendships. And I've been saying for years, a loan officer with the most friends wins. And I think you're embodying that with what you're sharing. So what does that look like? Like, like maybe you could take us, maybe you could even think about like a valuable relationship that you procured, you know, years ago and, 
just maybe over having a beer and you met somebody or whatever, like, like, how does that work? Like, what's your entry point? Like, is it just genuinely showing interest in people? And that just ultimately results in you just having a, a wide net of people that know and respect and like you? Or is there is there any specific plan that goes along with that other than just the mental focus? On, I'm just here to win relationships. Hmm. I'm trying to be I shouldn't say I'm trying to be honest. I'm, I'm really trying to answer that question as honestly as I can. I don't know if I have an agenda, you know, like, I mean, I probably should maybe. Uh, and I'm certainly like, if I'm meeting with a high-end agent or a high-end financial planner, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm preparing, but it's kind of like dating. I mean, if you date the wrong way, you're going to end up with the wrong person in my opinion. And so I just, you know, I, I don't force relationships. I mean, I think there's a niche of people out there that want genuine connections. And I mean, there's a lot of people I don't connect with, to be honest. I'm sometimes too judgmental and, you know, I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on people. Um, and there's a certain type of person I want to work with. Like, for example, agents. I love, I've got some amazing agents, but, you know, um, I want agents that respect my time and my, and my professionalism and aren't calling me eight times a week on a deal. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all adults and I want to be treated like that. So I think for me, I'm just, again, I, I dating is a very um, great example. I mean, to me, it's the same thing. It's I'm trying to date the right people. And if it's not a good fit, you know, I'm gone probably. So, so the, there's an evaluation process then that's happening when you're engaging with people, right? You're like, your, your, your philosophy is I want to win the relationship, but then there's also the potentiality that that relationship isn't the right relationship for you, I presume. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. So, so, so is that, is that evaluated through curiosity, through asking a lot of intelligent questions, through feeling the person's energy? Like what's that process look like? So I'm envisioning, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like a, a newer loan officer in the business and I'm trying to cultivate more relationships. Maybe there isn't a specific strategy, but there are some protocols I would think that you're operating under subconsciously that maybe maybe you haven't even connected the dots on. So let's look at that. Well, I remember years ago, you said something to me that stuck with me. You said vulnerability was my greatest strength. And I think like I'm totally okay being vulnerable and like not being, trying to be look like I'm awesome or I'm the best producer out there. So I think, you know, my strategy, I think a lot of times it's, um, there's like an emotional connection that happens when I think two people feel like they can trust each other or this guy's real or, you know, for example, if I get a question asked to me and I don't know, I say, I don't know, you know, I don't try to pretend I do, but I'll get them a good answer. So I don't, you know, I think the advice to a young loan officer or someone that's looking at trying to build their business is just be you, you know, you always say truth is the best script. And I, I can't agree more. I mean, it's, um, People know that, you know, people can feel BS or they can sense it or they, you know, uh, and so for me, I don't know, I don't go into it with an agenda. I just like, I'm curious. And if there's a connection, then I take it further. Um, you know, I definitely am prepared. I ask good questions. I know who I'm meeting with, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of people I can work with and there's only so many loans I can do. And there's really only so many partners I can have. And so instead of going wide, and trying to go get a, you know 40 agents, I'd rather go really deep with 10 that I connect with. And I, I've watched you in action before. Um, 
So I'm going to, I'm going to speak for you because I think it might be a little bit difficult for you to speak of yourself and maintain the humility that you operate under. Um, I think one of your great gifts, bro, that, that helps you a lot in this capacity is that you are a good listener and you are truly curious and truly make the other person feel that you're interested in getting to know them. And I think that that's an important component to it is that um, you're less concerned about doing all the talking um, and you ask a lot of really good questions. And as a result of that, you're kind of a magnet for people. I think people are drawn to you because they like to feel heard. They like to feel that someone's interested in them. Um, and it may not be that that's a strategy of yours. It's intentional. I think it just may be ingrained in who you are. But for those that are listening, I think that's an important footnote, an important note to take, which is what percentage of the time when you're meeting with people, are you doing the talking versus doing the listening? How much are you really concerned about who this person is and taking an interest in who they are versus making sure that they know who you are, right? So like most people are coming from that place of wanting to make sure that people know who they are. And what's that person feeling on the other side where they're feeling sold, they're feeling that the person isn't interested in them, they're feeling their ego. I think that they get a very, very different experience when they're engaging with you, which is why you then become this great referrer. I mean, you know, you referred me to, to Josie way back when you've referred me to Dario in Italy, you've referred me to Dr. Joe's guy. I mean, you seem to, to, no matter where you go, you walk away having gotten to know some people that, that want to maintain a connection with you. That's what I'm experiencing and seeing. And I think this is a really important thing for people that are listening to really be grabbing onto is how do I go out and win friends and influence people and, and, and to have them feeling the interest that, that, that I have in them. Go ahead. No, I'm listening. No, no. I'm just wondering if you want to comment on that. See, I'm not trying to go out and win. It's interesting. Like I think that the, the, the thinking of someone right now trying to figure out how to go do it. I don't think you try. I think you just do it. You, you are who you are. Um, I mean, if you're not naturally curious with people and, you don't enjoy people, then this probably isn't a good fit for you. But I just know that here, here's what I think about. Like if I'm buying a suit and I haven't bought a suit in a long time, but if I'm buying a car or whatever, like I have a criteria that I want in the person that I'm buying from. I want them to be honest. I want them to work hard. I don't want them to be lazy. If I ask them a question, they say they don't know. I want them to tell them they don't know. So like for me, I think subconsciously I, I seek out certain types of people to work with, but I also want to be that person to my clients. And I'll be honest, I've struggled sometimes in this business. I think sometimes it's a commoditized business where it's all about the rate and fee. And the truth is I'm probably not the right lender for that type of client because um, I want to add more value and I want them to see value in me. And if all they see me as a, a rate or a fee, then I don't think it's the right relationship. I mean, I get wanting the best deal and I'm wanting to be competitive, but you know, there's a lot of money at stake and there's a lot of confidentiality and um, you know, there's a lot of people you can go to for real estate financing. So I think there's enough people out there that see value in someone who's honest and I don't know. I don't try to be, I just who I am. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that better than that. How do you nurture those relationships after you have them? So 
you know, you, you get to know people, you ask a lot of questions, you're truly curious, you're truly interested in getting to know people. Once you do know them, you know, I think you live off your database in a pretty healthy way. So how frequently do you touch base with your database? And what's the type of correspondence, more importantly, that you send out to your database? I do a lot of video. Okay. And I try to be pleasantly persistent where I'm not like being the Amway guy and hitting them up, you know, five times on social media or whatever. But I'd say one video newsletter a month and I do, you know, I do a lot of phone calls. I, um, you know, I call people I like. So at the end of the day, if I have so many minutes in the day or hours in the day, you know, I am a little strategic sometimes about who I'm calling, but I call people I like and I, you know, we just talk. It's a contact sport. You know, a lot of times I don't have an agenda. I just, I'm just saying hi. And oh, by the way, their dad needs help, you know, in Montana to build a home or, or Hawaii or whatever. So I think phone calls and, you know, there's guys in the business that I look around, like there's a couple guys that came into the business when I was one of the top guys at my old company. And now he's one of the top guys at Fairway. And like, he's a machine, like he's always on the phone. And I believe that's a really, you know, again, you're not, you're not going and, and necessarily leading with lending or rates or fees, but you're just talking to people. And I think, like I said, it's a contact sport. So those are the two ways I have had success in. And, you know, I certainly get together and do lunch and coffee and all that. But the, the truth is I like my time with my family. So I don't spend a lot of time having drinks and cocktails on weeknights. You know, I'm home with my kids and my wife. But, you know, my clients don't want to socialize all the time either. They've got their lives. But those, I'd say video newsletters and phone calls. So what's a video newsletter look like? Take, take us through that. And you're excellent on video. I told you that a long time ago. I remember when you did the movie theater thing way, way, way back when. And I was like, dude, that's a great video. I mean, you've always been good on video because I think your vulnerability and sincerity comes out and it's very real. But um, let, let's talk about what the video newsletter is. Well, first of all, it's very attractive video. Okay. That's, you know, something that's consistent. No, I'm kidding. Um, I just do a, you know, Vidyard, it's a tool I use. And I try to talk about things that aren't like in the newspaper or on the websites. It just, I try to break it down to the common denominator. So I'm on the front lines. I see a lot of deals. Some of my deals die, you know, uh, whether it's income or collateral base. But I try to articulate stuff that I'm seeing that, to be quite honestly, can be applicable to the, to a lot of folks, right? I don't want to send a message out that maybe hits 2% of my database. So I have segmented out my database into clients, prospects, and different types of referral partners. So I will send kind of a customized message to each of those groups. Um, and just, you know, my goal is to have them think about it. You know, oh man, that's applicable to me, or I'm interested in pulling cash out, or, you know, I'd love to learn how to build, or, you know, we're doing a farm, my wife and I. A lot of people are interested in building a farm. So I might get real personal and walk around with the pigs and the goats and the chickens and talk about farm life for a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. So there's a lot of, you know, it's just connection. I think at the end of the day, I'm trying to let people know who I am. And, you know, I'm not a guy that's just quoting rates and watching stock and bonds. I mean, that's important, but I think people want to work with people they like. So, okay. So what I'm hearing you say, I want to break this down a little bit further. And, and before I do, I want to make sure that everyone can see that uh, it's not any ordinary farm. It's a farm that is located in quite an amazing setting. That's Mount Si in the background, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, incredible, man. Incredible. I'm so happy for you. I remember when you bought this land many years ago, and uh, you guys have been working on it ever since. Uh, it, an incredible place. Now, how many? I want to deviate for just a second, just to give everybody a little bit of a snapshot. How many animals you got now? I know it's growing by the week. Yeah, we just had four new kittens born. Uh, we've got like 27, 28. 27, 28 animals. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, they're farm at their pets. They're not, uh, we're going to get cattle, which we'll eventually eat. Um, but we're just kind of enjoying the, the pet thing. You know what I mean? We're not planning on killing our goats or our pigs. We, we eat our chicken eggs and our duck eggs, but I don't know. It It's fun. We're kind of like, it should be a reality TV show. Cause there's so many things we we're learning that we don't know, but we're two years in and we're getting the hang of it. You saw that movie, though, that documentary, The Biggest Little Farm, right? Um, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's actually not far from my old house, and I actually know a couple of a uh, couple of young kids that are friends of uh, kids of, of friends of mine who actually go to school there. For those of you that are listening that haven't seen The Biggest Little Farm, check it out. It's a great little documentary. So back to the to the video newsletter because I think that there's something very powerful here that you're talking about. So what I'm hearing you say is that you're thinking of a topic on a monthly basis that you think would be ubiquitous. It would be applicable to, to most people in your database, or maybe it's a little bit more finite and it's segmented out to a certain group of people. And then you're just going on to Vidyard and you're recording a message and you're telling a story, but Hey, I just closed this, this transaction with cash out and here's what the people did with it. They added on to a, uh, an, you know, a secondary dwelling on their property or whatever. And you're just, you're making sure that you're in front of them and you're sharing with them the types of things that you can do for them. Is that the strategy? Yeah, you know, people don't know what they don't know. Like, if you're not in the lending industry, you can't assume that your clients or your referral partners know what's up, you know, like, so a lot of times I'll say here, like my most five popular loans that I'm doing right now, just to give people perspective. You know, I mean, you'd be surprised some people don't even think they can pull cash out, which is crazy. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.